Hello and welcome back to Torsky Tuesdays. I am your host, Hanania Abraham, and we are recording episode 24 in our podcast. I just want to take a minute here to thank all of those that have reached out from around the world at my email, koshercounseling at gmail.com, for your words of wisdom, support, a lot of critiques, but done in such a beautiful way that I think I've learned a lot regarding how to go about this endeavor of this email. Some people reaching out personal stories that they've had with Dr. Torsky, who have, as we have mentioned, unfortunately passed about two weeks ago, a little less than, than two weeks ago. It's still something that I'm working on and processing just because of what he meant to me personally. And hopefully this is something that uh, can help his everlasting impact on the world live on, continue to, to live on. We will be upping to three episodes a week at least so that more content can be put out there. I have a mission in my head and I know this is maybe in some ways unobtainable, but having a massive collection of Dr. Torsky's works over the past 10 years of being a collector of his works, I have... A nice amount of his books, and I would really like to get them and, and talk about them with you guys. So I think it's something that by upping the ante just a little bit, making the recordings a little bit more so that we could get more content out there and cheer the amazing wisdom of Dr. Torsky. As you'll see, there is a repetitiveness a little bit in his message, but I think that also speaks to his authenticity by the fact that he is giving the same thing across, i.e. self-esteem, but in so many different ways. I think it's going to go a very long way for how we go about this podcast. And as we are coming to about the halfway point in this happiness and, and spirituality, yeah, there's probably there's about 150-ish pages, and we are right now going to be starting page 68 today, so we're about halfway there. I really want to make sure that this is done in an authentic way. I've reached out actually to one of his children to make sure that this is okay and this is something that can be of benefit to their father as he left behind um, his, his second wife and also a, a number of, of kids as well. So we will continue now on page 68. We are talking about self-fulfillment versus perfectionism. And I there is a concept that we talked about last time that I've really been thinking a lot about regarding people that suffer from SDS or those that focus more on the negativity. And I think that's so prevalent in today's day and age. And I think I know I gave a few sports examples last time, at least you know, American sports examples. The one example that I didn't say that I, I going gone back and forth because it's something that really has had an impact on me, at least since this past June when the National Basketball Association had their championship, and the Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Miami Heat. And within a few minutes of the Lakers winning the championship, their star player, one of, if not arguably, and I'd be one of those arguing, the greatest basketball players to ever step on a basketball court, in LeBron James, saying, where is my damn respect? And those were the first, pretty much his first words out of his mouth after winning a championship with his third different team. 
I don't know if he won an MVP or not, but he for sure deserved it as being one of the best basketball players. But I think it goes to show where a person's mind is, where the first thing that they want is the validation of others and asking for respect. There are a few people that have the respect and admiration as being a top-tiered, in the past century, athlete that the world has ever seen in who he is. But constantly needing that respect from others, you probably would not have seen Michael Jordan ask for other people's respect. You did not get that from Kobe Bryant. And not to compare LeBron James to anybody in that sense, because I believe he is, out of those people that I mentioned, and probably in all of basketball, the greatest athlete by far. But to ask for respect from others... Respect is not something that is just given to you. It's earned. When you ask for that respect or quote-unquote demand it the way he was doing, that's not how you get it. And when you focus, it's like Dr. Torsky was saying. He got 110 evaluation from the lecture on addictions. One was negative, and that's all he could focus on. But once he changed his mind to focus on the positive ones, that's when he was able to sort of have a unique, well, unique is not the right word, a feeling of happiness towards what he did. And if you think about it in general, for every action that we do, if let's say we were given a score of 98% approval rate, 98 plus percent, probably closer to 99 plus percent approval rate, that's, that's pretty good in any profession, no matter what you do. Anyway, I know I went a little bit of a rant over here, but I felt it was important to show how when we are yearning slash seeking and we need the approval, you could win the greatest accomplishment in your area of expertise. And if the only thing you're doing it for is to get the respect of others, it's probably still not going to come. You could win as many championships as Russell, the one of the greatest basketball players ever, who had, I think has over 10. You could be one of the greatest coaches in either John Wooden, Red Orbach, or any other sport, and it'll be like the New York Yankees. If you're going to be doing it for the approval of others, you are SDSing the entire situation. And yes, I made up that word. But we're talking about the spiritual deficiency syndrome. So continuing over here on page 68, self-fulfillment versus perfectionism. It is not uncommon for people to feel that unless they achieve perfection, they are not fulfilled. The mistake in this is that they are striving for self-fulfillment as a god or some type of angel rather than as a human being. It is important that we be as aware of our limitations as our potential. That's a great line. That it's important for us to be aware of what our limitations are as much as our potential. In some ways, I feel that when a person is able to know what their limitations are, it sort of takes the naysayers away from having any word for what to say. For those of you that have uh, seen, there was a movie that came out, I want to say over 20 years ago by now, called Eight Mile. Uh, it's about um, it's about a songwriter slash rapper that is not, uh, not being su- successful in his field. And when he has a battle with someone else, what he does, when he does is, is takes away the other other rapper's content by 
pointing out all of his own flaws. And the guy ended up speechless. I'm sorry for that uh, ruining the movie there for anyone. But the overall concept is when you are at ease with what your limitations are, it's so much easier to go about doing whatever you need to do. Other example that I think of is are the Rocky movies. Actually, I don't remember them well, but you know, one of the one of the ones that came out, the most recent one that came out. Think about it. Rocky Balboa has been around for 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 decades, and he doesn't have that strength anymore. Well, actually, he doesn't have that swift movement. Doesn't have that crazy uh, agility. And I, I think what his trainer en- ends up saying to him: "You don't have this. You don't have this. You don't have this. All we have is blunt force hitting." Again, I don't remember the exact words, but know what you can't do and what you're not able to accomplish anymore. And that will enable you to focus in and concentrate on those other areas. And I think that's exactly what he's saying over here. The mistake that we make is when we're striving for self-fulfillment, we're looking at the godliness aspect of how to do the best that we can. But not not realizing that what we're doing right now, that itself is important. That that itself is a great thing. And we should be aware of, hey, where we've come from. And we have limitations because we're human. Continuing continuing on over here, says Dr. Torsky, no, no human being goes through life without experiencing some failures. While failures are unpleasant, they do not need to be catastrophic unless we make them so. That The overall... Excuse me, the aphorism that experience is a hard teacher, but fools learn no other way is utterly wrong. It is the wise who learn from experience. Fools do not learn from their mistakes. And that's something that I know I, I talk about in my, in my uh, therapy room is there's no such thing as a, as a wrong decision. It's only wrong if you don't learn from the, the, the decisions that don't work out for us. That's not the exact phrase that I use. I'm blanking out over here of the exact phrase that I am. Hopefully it'll come to me soon. But overall concept is it's only a mistake if we don't learn from it. The example that I give is, you know, if someone is, is in a, an, is some sort of maze or a corn maze or something like that. So you make a turn that has a dead end. Does that mean that life is over and you're never going to get out of there? No. It means that this way doesn't work. That itself is a lesson. So we do certain things. Let's say in DBT therapy and other sort of sort of therapies, other other decisions. If this doesn't work, okay, now I learned that this doesn't work. That's called being human when we make those type of mistakes. So let me try something else that works. So that's what I think Dr. Torsky means when he says fools do not learn from their mistakes. Continues. Dr. Torsky, there is no end point to the character growth of which we human beings are capable. All of the traits that are unique to humans are capable of infinite improvement. Striving to be the best we can be is healthy, whether as a pianist, scientist, or a human being. However, it should not be confused with perfectionism. The latter is is a costly trait. I would even go as far as to say, and actually um, earlier today, meeting with uh, a young woman, this came up, this concept of perfectionism and wanting to get to a place of just being the best she can be and being upset with how getting into nursing school is going right now. The overall concept that we talked about of this perfectionism is, I think, very flawed regarding the way we think. At least here in America, there are two areas that the word perfect comes up. That's in baseball, and the other one is in uh, test-taking. 
In baseball, we have there's uh, something called a perfect game. Perfect game is where not a single player gets on base, but a pitcher has 27 batters up and then 27 batters down, 27 straight outs. Not a single person gets on base. The ball could be hit 400 feet, but caught. Still a perfect game. He can throw three balls and two strikes, meaning more balls and strikes, to every single batter. But yet, still considered a perfect game. Isn't that interesting? How the concept of perfect in baseball is not even perfect. Balls could be hit. He can throw balls that are not over the plate, but yet still have a perfect game. That's because the concept of what perfect is is not even perfect. In other in, in another area, when we have um, SAT exams, so at least when I was taking the SATs, the perfect score was a 1600. Well, did you know that you get a 1600 and not get every every question right? Isn't that amazing how you could get a quote-unquote perfect score, but yet not get every question right? Or another way to look at it is you can get every single question right, but you don't get anything more. Meaning there's no difference between the person that gets a perfect score that gets every question right and the person that gets a perfect score and gets almost all the question rights. So even here in America, the concept of perfect is not even perfect. So why as human beings do we strive to be something that's godly or angel-like when we're not able to be that? When we look at ourselves as human beings and realize the concept of being human is also being flawed, that itself can help bring about a proper spiritual way of life and therefore bring about happiness. And then we wouldn't have to suffer the way we do of having spiritual deficiency syndrome. So he gives a few different examples over here how perfectionists are apt to behave in one of three ways. They avoid trying to do anything. If they don't try, they even can't fail. Obviously, with no effort, there can be no results. So the perfectionists are always disappointed in themselves because they always feel that they can't do it right. Second example, he says, they make sure that when they do that what they do is perfect. Because perfection is not within human capability, these perfectionists frequently feel like failures and are depressed. I have nothing to add to that. It's literally like a perfect, <laughs> pardon the pun, sentence over here regarding what a person can feel when a person is a, is a perfectionist. There is a certain insecurity and depression that comes with it. And the last example he says over here of uh, perfectionists that they set themselves up for failure. If perfectionists undertake a venture and they fear they might fail, they may sabotage it and precipitate the failure simply to be free of the extreme tension of anticipating a failure. The self-improved failure will reduce their self-esteem every single time. Why? Because you're going to make mistakes. That's the way it works. The other example that I can think of, and maybe someone can sort of back me up on this, because I'm not 100% sure on this one, is the concept of getting graded in gymnastics. Now, I, I know in certain sports, it's uh, in certain areas of, of gymnastics, it's a score of a perfect 10, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is, is, is to perfection. You want to do the best possible flip and landing and balance and all the other things that's involved. But that doesn't mean it's it's not flawed. 
you can still, quote-unquote, have a rough beginning the way you take off. But if you do everything else, quote-unquote, perfect, you'll end up with a perfect score. That's just one another example that I was just thinking of now that I'm sharing with you. But I could be wrong on that one. So please reach out and let me know if uh, I am flawed in my description over there. So finishing up this area of uh, on the bottom of page 69, take a case of Herbert. He had graduated with an accounting degree but was turned down from his first job application. Thereafter, he would not get out of bed until late in the day, and he made all kinds of excuses about why he could not look for a job. The fact was, he was afraid of another rejection, which he saw as a failure and could not tolerate. Although by not applying for a job he was failing, it was easier for him to tolerate a passive failure than the active failure of being rejected. So let me not even put myself out there to try to succeed because at least I won't be failing in that sense. Then there was Evelyn. She was so afraid of making a mistake at work that she spent hours instead of a few minutes which with each microscopic issue slide before making a diagnosis. Within a month at her, at her position, she was three months behind and was dismissed. When perfectionism is carried to an extreme to protect low self-esteem, it can be counterproductive, as we've seen in these two cases, as we've been talking about today. It's something that when a person puts themselves in a, in a position to just be perfect because they need to be feeling good about themselves, that's when you end up messing up and not doing well. When I was on a plane, I want, I want the pilot to check all the indicators on the instrument panel to make sure that the aircraft can operate properly. But if the pilot is excessively perfectionistic and rechecks each dial numerous times, the plane may never take off. Spiritual people understand the need to continually be improving themselves and be the best they can be, but they do not confuse this with perfection. They know that along the way they will experience setbacks, but these do not discourage them from continuing to strive for self-improvement. The great pianist Vladimir Horowitz used to practice playing the piano several hours a day. He was always improving his ability. Then there was an actress who on the last day of a Broadway show that ran for three years excitedly said that she had thought of a better way to say her lines. When someone pointed out to her that the show was closing, she said, but there is still tonight. You can always be improving ourselves. We can always be improving ourselves, but our happiness lies in becoming better not in trying to be perfect. Wow, what a great way to end this. We can always be improving ourselves, but our happiness rise in becoming better, not in trying, in trying to be perfect. Because when we try to be perfect, we will never succeed and never be happy. And that's where SDS will constantly set in. That concludes today's episode. Again, I appreciate everyone listening to this. The next time we meet, we will start chapter 9 on page 71. If you have any questions, concerns, critiques, or just would like to chat, please reach out at koshercounseling at gmail.com.